It's hard to hear the truth with so many people talking. Join your host as he engages in unfettered conversation with folks sharing their perspective on how businesses, political policies, technology, and world events impact their families and communities. If you want to turn your thoughts into actions, listen to the Brother of Light, dropping wisdom in your left ear and knowledge in your right. Thank you for joining us on this exciting episode of Folks Unfettered. We are super excited uh, about our upcoming guest. Uh, he is an architect and designer uh, located in Dallas, Texas. Uh, his name is Miguel Ramirez. And of course, uh, my name is Gene Folks. Uh, I'm that brother of light. I'm that wisdom in your left ear and that knowledge in your right. Um, we're super excited about this episode with Mr. Ramirez. Um, he has joined us today um, to tell us not only about himself um, and about his architectural practice, but also about uh, an initiative that um, we at the channel are really excited about, um, Sprouting Bosses. Uh, Miguel, how are you? I'm doing great. Good, good. Thanks for joining us today. So um, tell, us a little, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and um, just uh, your journey uh, and how you came up on your profession uh, and also um, why we're all gathered here today on a on a warm uh, Saturday here in uh, Dallas, Texas. Hello, everybody. And first of all, Gene, thank you for having me here in your uh, podcast. Uh, well, uh, know you now for for a while now. Mm -hmm. And and one of the things that I will share with, uh, uh, sh uh, like about you is that we have a lot of common uh, common knowledge and we can talk uh, in a lot of likes. Mm -hmm. So I'm a, I'm a devoted husband and a father of two children. Uh, I grew up in Lima, Peru, and moved to the States when I was the age of 12, where, as you mentioned, I pursued my, my, my career as an architect. Mm -hmm. Now I, I, done, I do some high-end residential uh, projects, uh, which I just drove from one today, being on a Saturday, working the last two or three days. Uh, and, th and that has always been my dream as a kid to be an architect. Mm -hmm. um, and I love being able to see a vision and implement so, so it becomes a reality. Mm -hmm. That's one of the main reasons uh, of becoming an architect. So I was growing up being on, on my own since 2006. Um, I realized that I always want something new, better, faster. And I never really stop and smell the roses per se. Mm -hmm. um, I realized that that I wasn't really focusing on my family. Mm -hmm. I wasn't really focusing on my community. Mm -hmm. And I was just focusing on trying to make more money. Mm -hmm. Like you and I earlier were saying, it's, it's not all about money. Right. Right. You get to a point, it's like, well, how much do I want? Right. Right. So I realized that that I need to be more focused on my family because it, it is hard to find that certain individual. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so I, and I did, and I was looking at, at to a point, it's like, I, I might lose her because I choosing business over mm -hmm. a family. Mm -hmm. So I decided to step back and focus on, on my family and make sure we are in the same 
page. And also, I was also not really uh, concentrating on my community, giving back, mm -hmm. which I think I find that very rewarding in a different sense, more rewarding than money. Right. So one of the, the rewarding things or giving back is to create Sprouting Bosses. Mm -hmm. Sprouting Bosses is a nonprofit, and it deals with teaching young, young adults from the age of 12 to 16 mm -hmm. to become entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. to help teens develop and understand how they can become contributing members of society through goal setting, planning, and develop accountability so that they can earn money, save money, and develop the necessary skills to become successful entrepreneurs. Th this vision of, of, of uh, Sprouting Bosses is to create a supporting environment that encourages youth to take risk and educate it, then that failure is an integral part of success. The more you fail, the more you will succeed. And, and the other reason why I, I chose this 12 to 16 is because when I moved here in the States at the age of 12, the little money that my parents brought ran out very quickly. Mm -hmm. And at the age of 13, I found myself that I was already working. Mm -hmm. That I was already working cleaning offices. Mm -hmm. And then from there, all I knew is how to work, mm -hmm. how to make money, because I didn't grow up with money. Mm -hmm. But at the, at, at the same note, uh, I, uh, my parents never said they didn't have any money. They just mm -hmm. couldn't give me what I want. Mm -hmm. So I decided to work on, my, on myself. Like you and I were talking about earlier, mm -hmm. it's like if I wanted something, I, I, I go buy it. Mm -hmm. I work myself. Right. So anyways, that's kind of created the whole thing. And mm -hmm. now that I have two kids, I want to live a legacy, mm -hmm. you know, not just because I made one more dollar. Mm -hmm. I don't want that to be on my tombstone. Mm -hmm. You made one more dollar than, mm -hmm. than, than, than so and so. I just wanted to create something that, 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 that I can leave a, a nice footprint right. into, this, into this world. Right. So what, what was it about your childhood that actually um, served as the uh, catalyst to have you start thinking about sprouting bosses? Um, um, what was it that you saw that either you that motivated you to um, direct yourself and your firm towards trying to provide um, this this type of um, service to to young people and families? Yeah, so uh, good question, Gene. Um, so we were all at one point twelve years of age, or thirteen, or fourteen, and sometimes you grow up with one voice, which is your dad or your mom saying, "This is what you should do." But, you know, I realized that they can give me so much knowledge. Mm -hmm. So I decided to start listening to other people. Mm -hmm. uh, I started, you know, uh, I never thought that I was the fastest or the smartest person mm -hmm. for sure. You know, I still to this day, I'm like, man, I, I, I finished ma my master's degree in architecture, which is actually impossible. Mm -hmm. But I was able to do it because I there was one thing about me is that if I start something, I finish it. Mm -hmm. So at an early age, that was one of my key ingredients of my life mm -hmm. is whatever I, I focus on, I will finish it. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, going back to the age of 13, start working from that age, mm -hmm. uh, I, I, I start respecting money. Mm -hmm. I start respecting money. And, and, and now when I'm able to work for my own, mm -hmm. I still respect money. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and this is why I put this together mm -hmm. to give a little bit of knowledge of those kids that at the age of 12, 13, don't know which direction mm -hmm. they're going and not to blame it on their past, not to blame it because they're, 
they're this color or this religion. Mm -hmm. It's all about yourself. Mm -hmm. Focus on yourself. It's like they say, whenever you're on the, in the, on the airline, mm -hmm. on the plane, mm -hmm. you got to put your, your air mask on first. Right. You put your air mask on and then you can save others. You can't save others without saving yourself. Correct. And that's very important uh, in business, right? Mm -hmm. And the other thing too is, is I try to never panic. That's when you drown, mm -hmm. right? It's always, take, you and I were talking about that. When something blows up, you got to step back and look at it, the whole picture, right? Not the, the, the conditions at that, at that time. Right. Right. So, uh, you know, if you ask me at what age, I don't know. It's just, it's an accumulation of, 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 um, being able to, to meet people, read books, mm -hmm. um, uh, because of, of, um, I've been lucky enough to have mm -hmm. that I've been visit visited 44 countries. Mm -hmm. uh, and and I, that's been as an, as an architect, as an architect, mm -hmm. I was able to travel mm -hmm. and, and look for projects, mm -hmm. being invited to come visit them. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a great experience, you know, like, uh, uh, and I just one of the biggest trip was in, in Russia, yeah. you know, for the World Cup back in 2018. That was a fun time that my parents came with the, with me awesome. and uh, met some clients and yeah. uh, uh, it was fun. So would you say that, you know, because I'm, I'm I'm sitting here with you, Miguel, and, and like you say, you and I have known each other for quite a while. And, you know, I sat here and I made the correlation that as an architect, you're used to building things. And, um, you know, sprouting bosses is just that. Is that it's, it's you're not only building um, people's attitudes towards money and how to manage it, but you're also... Um, helping them with this initiative and only building you know their self-confidence um those things that last a lot longer than money would, do, would that be a fair assessment to say that that's kind of where you are with that yes i totally agree i think confidence grows whenever you accomplish things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's hard to be in my opinion confident if you haven't accomplished mm -hmm. things because uh, after all the years that we've met i mean you have been one of the most consistently you know, optimistic, uh, positive, you know, zero negative energy guys, you know, since the day we met when I was sitting at, uh, in my investment office somewhat now, I guess over 10 years ago. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what do you attribute that to? What do you attribute that attitude? Where, where did that attitude come from? I mean, you grew up tough. Um, you, your family and you were close, um, you know, your siblings and your parents, where does that come from? Yeah. Why um, not just, you know, give up and give into despair and, 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 you know, have a woe is me attitude. You, you came from Peru, mm -hmm. um, you came to America and you went from, from, you, you know, tell us what, where does that come from? I can tell you personally, you've always been uh, a lot more, uh, uh, I thought I was optimistic and, and hopeful, but you, you really are uh, one of those people that, that uh, people like being around where's that come from yeah good question uh and thank you by the way uh one of the observations that i that i've been thankful enough to visit some of these countries and a lot of cities uh, over 150 cities around the world is that there is someone out there that's having a, a worse day than you have mm -hmm. um i always try to look at the most positive way even even if you have a flat tire, mm -hmm. it's, uh, at the end of the day, is how you're going to end that day. Mm -hmm. Okay, I always end with watching cartoons before yeah. I go to sleep. 
yeah. just to like break the nonsense, you know, uh, just to relax, to right. unplug. Right. Other things that, that, that I'm doing is reading like 10 minutes, the, 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 a book before right. I relax, trying to disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things that I learned, I appreciate that from my mom, is like no matter what, just always be positive, always a smile, mm-hmm. and stay humble. Stay humble. And you know what? That's always been great. Even people uh, asking for money in the streets mm-hmm. is like, I might not have any money, but I still smile at them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because they're, in a way, we're all connected. Mm-hmm. We're all connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, um, uh, uh, that's one thing I find out with traveling is I can say a few sentences and like somehow we're col- connected. Like, oh, yeah, I do this too. Or, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I'm an architect. Or, oh, yeah, I do this and that. And all of a sudden, we become friends. That's one thing that that, that I, I I adore about myself and and is friendship. Sure. Well, that's one of my key of life is friendship, friends, people today that they're going to speak after uh, uh, we have this conversation, mm-hmm. is they're friends of mine mm-hmm. and they're friends of yours. Mm-hmm. They're, they're good people. So um, yeah, explain it to our eyes. What's going to happen next? So yeah. Um, so the the idea is a spread and bosses is broken down into used to be five topics now there's six topics mm-hmm. and they're, they're and they have 10 to 15 minutes to to tell about their story mm-hmm. and and their topics mm-hmm. and some of those topics is is uh first impression mm-hmm. time management mm-hmm. money management mm-hmm. the spiritual giving back and mm-hmm. the last one that i just added is being being connected uh, uh, spiritual mm-hmm. but also physical absolutely that's the other thing that becoming confidence you gotta be physically mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. be confident with yourself That's look right. at yourself in the mirror right. and, and like who you are sure. if you think you're overweight then you can do something about mm-hmm. it right mm-hmm. or you're okay with it mm-hmm. that's one thing is you have to be okay who who you are mm-hmm. first of all mm-hmm. when you start comparing with others mm-hmm. whether how you look what color mm-hmm. what color is your eyes mm-hmm. uh, or how big your wallet is mm-hmm. that's when you start failing mm-hmm. it's not about that it's all about how you feel and, and, and that's the other thing about being positive. It's like, I'm happy where I am, mm-hmm. right? But it, it builds up blocks, right. uh, uh, steps in life that I have accomplished that builds who I am. Right. So here we are, uh, folks. Uh, again, we're sitting and we're talking to uh, architect uh, Miguel uh, Ramirez, and he can be reached um, on um, at uh, madrlf.designs at gmail.com. Uh, his website for his architectural firm uh, is under construction, and that's going to be available here real soon. Um, the format today is we wanted to get to know a little bit about um, the creator and founder of Sprouting Bosses. Um, but we also are going to give you a special treat where we have uh, several locus, local business professionals who have donated their time today um, at our firm to have a discussion and a presentation uh, to those people that were they're really talking about um, what they do. This message um, is really meant for an audience uh, from ages 13 and up. In our normal format, um, we, we are a friend of Sprouting Bosses. Um, we would have presenters talk about those holistic approaches to not just being a better investor or increasing your financial education and literacy, but also uh, just to be a better human being. And um, we are going to transition from a conversation with Mr. Ramirez and go right into a Sprouting Bosses segment. You are in this for a special treat. 
Um, one of the things that we have agreed to here at Folks Unfettered is that uh, once a month or once a quarter, uh, that we're going to provide a, uh, a segment um, of our program um, to Sprouting Bosses to allow them to have a platform to where uh, we will have interactive engagement um, with one another to uh, really provide the lessons from people from various backgrounds, from uh, investment bankers to CPAs to uh, faith leaders uh, to real estate professionals, um, to those people that are really entrepreneurs, um, uh, C-level suite executives, to really talk about not just money, but also talk about uh, the totality of what it takes to be a human being and sort of give the 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 um, uh, the the gas if you will that, that makes the engine go for lack of a better term so um miguel i i, I got uh another question for you uh what's your favorite word and why what's my favorite word oh man um uh, uh happy Mm. Being why? happy. Okay. What, what does that mean? Why? Why is it your favorite word? You know what? It's um, I'm very lucky to to be alive. Mm. You know, I, I enjoy life. Uh, I always smile. I, I always I'm very gratitude when I wake up, because you never know when your clock is out. Mm. So, and we don't know if we have a second chance or not. Mm -hmm. So why not enjoy mm -hmm. the first round that you're here? Uh, no matter what conditions or anything going on, it's just if something happened to you, it's, it's just you can always uh, work it out. You can always mm -hmm. smile. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, um, it's a great mm -hmm. it's great weather, whether it rains or, or sunny outside. Right. You know, there's always opportunities like right now. There's people losing money, but there's a lot of people making money, too. Mm -hmm. And so there's it's just the way how you look at it, you know, and, and, and one of the things is that you always stay afloat. Mm -hmm. You know, you're like a duck. You're paddling and paddling under the water, but they're very tranquil. They're very settled. Mm -hmm. Right. But they're working it. So that's kind of like the attitude of, of, of just being happy, you know, enjoying that I have a great life, enjoying that I have great friendship with friends, mm -hmm. that I enjoy that, that I'm still here in this mm -hmm. earth and, and, and I, I want to. Uh, give back sure. by doing Sprout and Bosses, inviting my friends. That's awesome. So uh, that leads right to my next question, which is, you know, what would you like your legacy to be? And I think you just said it. Um, uh, if last question before we go into a Sprouting Bosses session, um, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Um, right now it says, why not? Mm -hmm. Why not you? You know, because, uh, you know, you, we keep saying, you keep seeing it's like you can be whoever who you want to be. Uh, and it's, 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 it's right in certain weight, but it's more of a like, how much are you willing to put in your part? Mm -hmm. Nothing's giving you for free. That's one thing mm -hmm. you have to, 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 to agree with life. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to put your effort, you have to put uh, uh, your time. Mm -hmm. No one just starts with what, 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 with a lot of money, even if you grow up with a lot of money, you mm -hmm. still have to work yourself up there. So wh why not you? Yeah, mm -hmm. why not you? Why not? Um, 
and you you were the only we are the only person the only person in the mirror that can limit ourselves mm-hmm. you know we're the only ones that can take our own lives mm-hmm. we're the only ones that can save other people's lives mm-hmm. like you said earlier if we if i can change one person's mm-hmm. life i mean i've done my part mm-hmm. you know and i want god to look at me and say thank you mm-hmm. for putting your part mm-hmm. you know i don't want it to just be another number and you know just like those commercials says you know, uh, 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 what's how's it go? That Dr. Pepper, where everyone's unique, right? You're right, right. So, right. not that I'm uh, I'm marketing Dr. Pepper, but I'm just saying <laughs> it's very true that we're all we're we're all different. Right, we all have something to give, and we're all are in a way that we can give back. Right, especially to the young generation right. that, that they're barely right. new to the to, to this atmosphere. You sure. know, sure. that that uh, and what's coming. Mm-hmm. Cause you're right earlier we're talking about how schools don't really prepare you for you know what real life is mm-hmm. it's just mm-hmm. by the time you're done with high school it's like mm-hmm. well what's next mm-hmm. what about if you're not and what about your if you're not a school person mm-hmm. like right. i wasn't you know right. I, I didn't think i was that's interesting you know uh, and i don't think i was that that smart you know mm-hmm. i don't think my iq is that smart it's just that one of the things is that if there's homework i'll get it done mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a i'm a i'm a doer mm-hmm. uh, you know if i tell you if i'm going to do something mm-hmm. i'll do it you right. know I, I am a finisher sure. we live in a society of starters mm-hmm. of talkers mm-hmm. of people like i should have right that's right you know right but not a lot of like i'm done right Absolutely. and those that are done right ask what's next right they don't go and, and publicize right. it like oh look what i done mm-hmm. they don't have time for that right. what's the next step right so, so how do you, and that's awesome, how do people, if they wanted to connect with Sprouting Bosses, how would they do that? Yeah, so you can email me, I know, uh, um, at uh, mardlfdesigns at gmail, or you can uh, email me also at sprouting dot, dot bosses at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or you can just email Gene to get more information from sure. me. Um, so uh, if somehow... You want to get a hold of me? You can get a hold of me. Absolutely. It's one of those things. Right? And and just so you know that we we can um, you can message us here at the channel if you want to get involved with Sprouting Bosses. Uh, we'll get the message to For you. Sure. Um, we're on all platforms. We're on Anchor FM. Uh, we are on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio, uh, Google Podcast. Um, we are um, on your favorite uh, podcast uh, platform. You can contact us on social media. Um, our um, or our official organization's website um, for uh, folks international group is www.folkesig.com. You can also send us a, me- a message at uh, folksunfettered at gmail.com. So uh, if you want more information on how to not only support the channel, uh, but also support uh, the Sprouting Bosses Initiative, um, there are a myriad of ways that you can do that. We'd ask for you to, to like and subscribe to the channel so you can get more information um, about um, more organizations like uh, Sprouting Bosses, uh, more uh, professionals um, like uh, Miguel uh, Ramirez, who is uh, an architect, um, lead certified architect in his firm. And I'd like to just um, make this comment that as you know, we are in a country uh, to where um, we are having um, challenges right now with a global pandemic. And we are seeing the uh, mainstream media uh, sort of 
feed us uh, our opinions, whether from the left or from the right. Uh, everyday Americans uh, like Miguel, uh, those people that have come from other places, whether that's from Jamaica, whether that's from Peru, whether that's from China, whether that's from Mexico, they really come with the spirit of adding value to the people around them. Um, we are stronger in our diversity than we are to be divided. And don't believe the hype. Don't believe that um, people from different various backgrounds um, don't want to work together to make our country a better place, to make the people in our country a better place. Um, the folks in Fettered has had the pleasure of having um, just a diverse group of people not only just support the channel, but also bring initiatives to where we can help one another. Uh, Miguel and I have known each other for uh, quite a long time. Um, I became uh, involved in Sprouting Bosses is one of the things that, um, that is near and dear to my heart, financial education literacy. And so it's something that uh, I personally support uh, with time and effort. Um, and it's, I think we need more people like you, Miguel, in the world. I think we need more people Thank you. Um, like you as a husband, as a father, uh, and as a friend um, to really help us live up to what we believe that our country can be. So uh, we're going to now uh, ask you to bear with us in segment two, where we're going to move into a live Sprouting Bosses session. Uh, just so you know that you can catch um, Sprouting uh, Bosses uh video presentation uh, on our organizational website, uh, which is www.folksig.com. Um, that is our uh, financial services firm um, that affiliates with Folks Unfettered. And you'll be able to catch it on uh, YouTube on the Folks Unfettered channel. Uh, we're making this uh, as widely available as we can because we know that the need is so, so important and so great. So thank you for hanging with us on this first segment. We're going to move into um, providing you with a uh, with a, uh, uh, a Sprouting Bosses session. If you want to donate to Sprouting Bosses, uh, email uh, Miguel. Uh, if you want to send donations to his organization, um, if you'd like to have more information, um, reach out to us here at the channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell notification uh, to keep up with uh, when each episode drops. So um, we're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back uh, and then we're going to have our first presenters. Just hang in there with us, folks. You're going to learn uh, quite a bit. You're going to learn all that they didn't teach you um, in undergrad. All right. Thank you. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Miguel. 
for having me over again. I truly enjoy presenting to uh, Sporting Bosses. I think uh, this is a great uh, organization and something that Miguel is doing to help the young ones uh, achieve what uh, we could have achieved a long time ago. Uh, I am, my name is Carlo Ramirez, and I am a tax accountant. My firm is of Plano, Texas. And what I do is I help people save money on businesses. You know? uh, right now, with all this pandemic going on, you know, I get uh, my phone and emails are always blowing because they don't know what else to do. So they come to me for help. So if you guys need any help, uh, can be reached via email to carlo.e.ramirez at gmail.com or uh, you can send me a text at 469-859-8067. But enough of me. Uh, right back to this uh, uh, event. So uh, my topic for today is going to be time management. Well, why is time management so important? Well, you guys, as you guys are growing up, you guys are going to understand that time is very valuable business, in school, and on sports. So whatever you want to do in life, always remember time is of the essence, okay? But let me show you a little joke as to how, what happens as you grow up, you know, in life, you know, real, you know, plan for today. So what we want to do all the time is we want to do the right thing. In this case, we like, we should be running, correct? To, to stay in shape. But what we do is instead of running, we put our clothes on and we watch TV and eat donuts. Right? So that's not something that we want to do. You know, what we want to do is we want to be, we, we actually want to say what we do, we're going to say. You know, so you guys will be amazed, but time management has become an obstacle for many people. Reason is because they truly don't know how to manage their time effectively. Time management is something that you need to master in order to get ahead in your careers, in your life, in sports. Time management is the process of organizing and planning how to divide your time between specific activities. Now, when you get a job, any job, a good time management enables you to work smarter, not harder. Get more done in less time when time is tight and pressures are high. Now, I know in, in my last uh, meeting I explained the 80-20 rule of finance. Well, this time I'm going to explain the 80-20 rule of time management. Yes. There is an 80-20 rule about time management. And I'm also going to share with you a quadrant, a quadrant that's going to help you in any stage of your life, whether, again, it's personal, it's business, it's educational. You can use this quadrant, and many different professionals use this quadrant, believe it or not, okay? So if you listen and apply these rules, these tools will help you for the rest of your life, okay? So bear with me for one second as I do my quadrant. And I explained this to you in detail. So, what we do first is what you want to do is you want to create a quadrant. It's called a quadrant because you have four sides: one, two, three, four. You know why is this? Why is this so important in the business world, in the sports world? Well, because let's 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 divide how your business or life or sports or school is going to be. You're gonna have crisis up here, okay? Well, what is crisis? You know, crisis is like the sky is falling, right? Crisis can be pressing problems, firefighting. Crisis can be, let's say you're trying to get ready for a school project, and as usual, you wait till the night before it's due. 
Now it becomes a crisis. Are you with me? So you don't want to be that guy, right? Same thing with your job. Let's say you have a presentation for clients. Well, you don't want to be getting ready at 2 a.m. in the morning and the presentation is due tomorrow at 7 a.m. That's called a crisis. You know, well, are you going to have crisis in life? Of course. But what we want to do is we want to mitigate crisis. Whether it's sports, whether it's your personal life, it doesn't matter. Crises are going to happen, but you want to limit that. Okay? So, uh, let's put in here as a reference rush deadlines. Okay? And again, this quadrant can be applied for anything in your life. Okay? So, that's crisis. In this quadrant, we're going to put productivity. Okay, well, what is productivity? Okay, well, right here on this quadrant, you know, is where you want to spend majority of the time. And I'm going to explain to you guys in more detail as to how to uh, create a time management on each quadrant so that you have a better, a better understanding of what I'm trying to get to. So productivity is what I just talked about. It's preparing, it's planning, it's prevention, it's relationship building, it's personal development, okay? So here is your planning phase. Here is your money phase. Right here is where you want to spend most of your time, planning. What am I doing tomorrow? Are you reading enough books? Are you working out hard enough? Are you putting the miles in? Are you reading a book a day? How much are you reading? How much are you preparing so that you don't end up here? Okay? Now, stay with me. On this bottom pan, we're going to put distraction. Okay? Well, what is distraction? Because we all have it, right? We're not perfect. Well, distraction can be phone calls, can be emails, can be meaningful, meaningless meetings, can be uh, walk-ins. So, for example, let's say you're working on a plan, right? Something that you have to get done in the next two weeks so that it doesn't become what? A crisis. And let's say somebody comes to you and says, hey, man, you know, why don't we go hang out? What's happening right now? Right? Your time now is being interrupted, which is called a distraction, which is preventing you from what? Planning. Are you with me, guys? So what you don't want to do is you want to limit your distractions. Limit the phone calls. Limit the emails, right? If it, if it has nothing to do with your planning, then you're distracting yourself. So I'm going to put example as email and meetings that are not necessary for what you're trying to get done. And again, this can be for sports, personal life. It doesn't matter, OK? Do not get distracted. The last piece of the puzzle is called waste. I call it waste. You know why is that? Well, because a lot of us spend more time on this than this. Well, what is waste? Here's some ideas. Socializing, trivia, some phones, calls, emails, TV. Let me ask you a question, guys. How long are you on the TV for? How long are you on the iPad for? Two, three, four, five hours, six hours a day? Right now it's summer. What are you doing with your time? Are you on the waste part? 
or are you on the productive part? Unfortunately, right now, most of you guys are right here, wasting your time on Facebook, on Instagram, right? So let's put here social media. Now for us professionals that we have a business, you know, again, we are more on the productivity side because what happens when you're productive? You make money. What else happens when you're productive? You reach your goals. And again, I don't care if you're trying to run a marathon, right? But if you're not preparing yourself to run that marathon and you're over here on social media, you're never going to run that 23 miles. Not on the time that you want. You got to put the time in. And you can ask any of these guys. You just can't get up one day and you run a marathon. You have to work at it. Does that make sense? I just want you to think there for a second. Just, just let that sink in. A lot of us are here. You know, and when you're in the real world, believe me, you're gonna find a lot of people doing this. But what do they want? They want more money. Well, if the boss is coming to you and he's looking at you and all you're doing is doing Facebook, what are the chances they're gonna promote you? If you're not doing any of the planning or the productivity, you're never, you know, you're not gonna get where you wanna be. You're not gonna be the VP, not the CEO, may not have your own company because you're doing this. Okay? Now, let me explain to you the percentages of how you want to use your time. 5% of your time should be invested on prices. 75% of your time should be right here on the planning part. 15% of your time should be right here on that distraction and 5% right here on the waist. Did you see that? So if you were to add this, 5 plus 5 plus 15 is 25. So look, 25% of your time, you know, again, look at this. 25% versus 75%. Where should you always be? Right here. The more you are right here, the more money you're going to make in anything that you do. I don't care what you're doing. Sports marriage, relationships, it doesn't matter. If you don't put the time right here, you're not gonna get the results that you want. It's as simple as that. Now, I did talk about the 80-20 rule, right? Let me explain to you how the 80-20 rule applies. Right here, we're gonna add this. On the top here, we're gonna put urgent. Not urgent. Here we're going to put important and not important. Now watch this. 20% should be urgent. 80% should be what? Not urgent. Why? What happens when we are on an urgent mode? Do we make smart decisions or do we make... Uh, or do we make bad decisions when we are on this urgent mode? Some people can tell you, yeah, well, you know what best under pressure, really? Well, go tell that to a client that's trusting you with money. I work best under pressure. Well, let me give you $100 million. I work best under pressure. Nobody's going to give you money. Nobody's going to be even a penny. 
Think about it. You are the client and you're trusting this person with your money, with your future, with your taxes. It doesn't matter. So if you make everything urgent, forget it. You want to be right here, not urgent. And to be right here, you got to be on the planning part. Now, on this side, you got important and not important. 80% of the time, you should be on the important part. And 20% of the time, non-important. You see how that works? Now, guys, this is very important. A lot of us use this, whether you want it or not. I like this guy. His name is Stephen Covey. You guys may not have heard of him because he's a really old school guy. Yes, I'm old. I'm sorry. But if you guys listen to Stephen Covey, okay, Stephen Covey is a mastermind when it comes to organization and time management. Okay, I, I advise you to read some of his books so he kind of echoes what I'm telling you, right? In a simplistic way, this is how you want to manage your time. You know, if you learn these tricks now, guy, you're 12, you're 13, you're 14, you're 15, you should learn to do a little square like that. It doesn't take time. You can even challenge your parents. You know, you can even say, well, you know, your parents could give you a chore. Let's say you're 13 or 14, they give you a chore. Well, you must do, you know, take out the trash, you know, you must clean your room, do the dishes, doesn't matter what they make you, right? Well, obviously, you have a quadrant there, believe it or not. You know, what, 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 what does your parents are trying to make you do, right? It's clean the room, for example, right? So, okay, so you need to plan to clean the room, right? But if your parents catch us, you're doing what? Being on Facebook, well, that's a waste of time. So you're gonna get in trouble. You know, if your little brother comes and distracts you from cleaning your room, you know, that's not so bad. When does it become a crisis? When the, that, when your parent is right there knocking on your door saying, hey, did you get this done? Now it's a crisis, correct? You see where this is going? You can apply this quadrant in any stage of your life. Now, us as professionals, we have to apply, we have to do this. Because if we don't, our business is going to fall. And you're going to see it on your bank account. And you're going to have to close. So us, what we do is we have to do that. Most of our time is going to, remember, plan. Plan for tomorrow. Plan for tomorrow. 20% on the urgent part. If you take care of everything here on the non-urgent part, you don't have to worry about this. What if you were to do 90, 10%? How much calmer would your life be? Make sense? Same here. Spend your time on the important parts. 80% of your time. 20% of your time, not important. Well, what is not important? Again, your distractions and your waste. Does that make any sense? Doesn't matter how old you are. And as you are going to graduate in high school, I guess, again, you're gonna have to be more disciplined. You're gonna have to get your act together. Okay? So remember, Crisis, productivity, distraction, waste. How much time you going to a lot? 5% for crisis, 75% productivity, 50% distraction, and waste. Again, on the top, urgent 20%, not urgent 80%. Right here, 80% on the important part, 20% on the non-important part. All right, guys? Any questions? Good stuff. Well, thank you, guys.
right. Thanks, Carlo. Uh, okay, guys. Uh, let's see. Uh, who wants to come next? You want to call call the roll, or where you guys want to come up? Uh, Justin, why don't you come up? All right. Since you're closer to the board. There you go. Thank you, Carlo. My name is uh, Justin Ward. I am a network engineer. I currently work for Fujitsu Communication. Um, if you need to contact me, you can contact me at uh, justoneward at gmail.com. That's J-U-S-T, the number one, W-A-R-D at gmail.com. Um, today, I'm going to talk about money management and the different aspects that you don't learn in school. They don't teach money in school. You know, I was really surprised how little they even taught in college when I took economics. Talked about supply and demand, never talked about interest rates or anything like that. So going back in time with my history, I had uh, a previous marriage that I won't go into a lot of details on, but I got saddled with a lot of debt that was not my own. Um, uh, bills were being hit, and then when I finally found out, many bills were past due six plus months and if you know with credit cards they start going exponential with the interest so i've been in debt on both sides and i'm now out of debt my everything i own is paid for uh, not bragging but i've worked very hard towards this my home my vehicles so i have zero debt so i've been there on both sides i've been saddled with so much debt at one point i don't know how i was going to get out of it and now after 20 years i'm on the other side so First thing about money management is you got to save at least 10% of your income, period. Because you're never going to amass anything if you don't save. I mean, you have to have, I mean, whatever you can, but if you make, let's say, $500 a week, you need to be at least saving 50. You know? And then that way, over time, you have the opportunities uh, to invest once you have a stock lot or to put down more debt. And it always is a good thing, as nowadays, as we've seen with COVID and all the other things going on, it's always an excellent idea to have money because you never know what's going to happen with markets, society, or whatever. So it's always good to have a reserve. Now, credit, in a lot of ways, is just like fire. If you use fire correctly, it heats your home, it cooks your food, it heats the water so you take warm showers, you use credit incorrectly is just like fire. You burn down your home, you kill your family, all right? And credit's the same way, because you can get into scenarios that is life-crushing. I mean, there is many people throughout history um, who have committed suicide completely over debt, that they did not know how they were ever gonna get out of it, and they took the wrong path, but that was a choice they made. And I don't want to, and I, being someone who has had a lot of debt at one point, I know the stress and it is a horrible feeling. So first step is you have to save some money. But how do you get out of debt if you got a lot? 
that's the question that probably people want to know. And so at one point, I had, let's say, four credit cards, right? Let's say I had uh, a Kohl's, um, uh, JCPenney's, uh, uh, Amazon card, and then, and let's say like a Discover, right? So I got those three ones. And this one, let's say it's a lot. Let's say this is $5,000, which is a lot to pay down. Because of the way interest rates go, it doesn't feel like you're ever getting anywhere. And then let's say these are the typical like store credit cards, you know, like when you go to the store, shop for clothes, you got 500 on each and you got a thousand on this one. You know, so overall you're looking at it, you're going, geez, I got $7,000 of debt and I only got 150 a month. I can pay on these. How am I ever going to get anywhere? Well, the method that worked best for me is what they call the snowball method. And let's say, just to keep this even number-wise, let's say the minimum payment on all of these is $25. And you have $150 a month to spend towards these credit cards. Well, the first step when you get in debt, and this is the biggest mistake most people make, is then they get into so much debt, at one point they go, the heck with it. I'm never going to get out of this. So let's just, <laughs> let's just buy more and keep going. So that's one of the things that are, the step one, as many financial people have said, is when you have a hole, first step is to stop digging it deeper. All right, so that's step one. Whatever hole you find yourself in, whether it's 7,000, 10,000, at one point I had $15,000 of credit card debt, just that. And most of it was interest going exponential because bills were being hit for me and I didn't know. So it was really painful to pay, uh, pay a bunch of interest money that I didn't even get anything for it. But anyways, going back to this. So the minimums of this equal 100. You have $50 left over to apply to one. So what you wanna do is you take the smallest one you have. So in this case, it'd be one of these 500s. And you wanna to continue to pay minimum, 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 minimum to these. But the one, the lowest one, you take and you add that 50 to it. So now this one is getting paid 75 a month where these are getting the minimums. And it's the, the only way this works is if you're not digging that hole deeper, okay? So this strategy doesn't work if you keep adding to the pile. So that's one of the things you really got to, uh, I, I basically froze my credit cards. So they couldn't be used at that point and I could only just pay them down. So what happens now is over time, you're chipping this one down at 75 a month, and at some point over time, 75, 75, 75, that becomes zero. That's paid off. That's now done, all right? So now I have $75 of income I'm not using anymore to pay off this bill. So now you go to the next highest bill you take that same amount of money and go 75. Now 25 plus 75 is you're now paying this one down at a rate of 100. Well, this being a 500 bill, within five months, that one's now gone. And then you've got 25 plus 75, which is 100 over here. And then now you go to your next bill, which would be this $1,000. 
Now you take the 25 from there, you're paying 125 a month. All right, that's gonna take less than 10 months to knock out. And then when that one is finally zero, you take in that 125 and you add it over to the pile here, which now means you're paying down this one at 150 a month. And then being this is 5,000, that will still take some time, but eventually you will get to the point where everything is zero across the board and you're debt free. But the main step of that is don't take the hole deeper, you know, and, um, and, and the real reality is there really is no easy way. You do have to, when you find yourself in a hole, I had to skimp and uh, be frugal with my money. Um, and like I said, credit's like fire. So you have to use it correctly or you can burn yourself really bad. And uh, that's, that's about it as far as getting debt free. Um, and then investment, and then once now all this money is free and you've got 150 a month, that's when you start putting that into Roth IRA. 401k, invest in the stock market, um, invest in real estate, you know, many, whatever vehicle you're interested in that point. But you can never get that way if all your money is tied up in debt. When are you ever going to have any money to do anything else? So without having money to use, you can't invest. And that's the way to get is to where you can invest the money, uh, different vehicles to grow your money. Because Albert Einstein, who is one of the greatest mathematical geniuses in our time frame, when they asked him what was the greatest thing that he thought in the 20th century, his reply was compound interest. What do you think that was a kind of funny thing? But he was a generation where compound interest was working in his favor and making him more money. Nowadays, most people have compound interest eating everything they own because they're, they're in debt. So what you want to do is get to where interest is in your favor not being used against you so but the only way to get there is to be as debt free as possible and then take the money that you now have available and invest in different vehicles and that's actually another subject uh, that we'll probably go into here uh, some other time but this is this is the way to get debt free and manage your money and being somebody that has been saddled with a lot of debt to where um, later, uh, give you one, I was just looking in 2002, I pulled up the old document. My credit score was 585, where if you know credit, that's about as low as you can go. It's pretty darn close to being the worst. Um, with my taxes, with TurboTax, one of the things they offer is, hey, you can check your current credit score. So nowadays in 2020, 18 years later, my credit is 835 and TurboTax, when they look at that, they say, hey, you're making everybody look bad because <laughs> you got no debt and your credit score is like that. Now, with a credit score like that, I can get in a lot of trouble because I can get any loan I want. I can get loans that I can't really afford to pay. So that's the main thing. Uh, so you got to be credit with careful, uh, very careful with credit because, like I said, it's, in, it's use correctly. It will benefit your life and create more wealth over time. Use incorrectly, like a bad math formula, you'll never get the right answer and it'll always go against you. Is there any questions? Um, how do you raise your credit score? Um, some of the good ways to raise it. 
the best way to the best way to raise it is just to be honest, is on a, a payments, um, credit history. Um, one way to best build a credit history is an auto. Um, when you're young, uh, because autos are typically one of the easier ones to get a loan for, but it's, it's showing consistent payments over time. I mean, I had so many negative remarks against me at one point because of bills being hidden and I didn't know about it. Um, but through time and consistency, because they see you and I pay all my, all these ones that were past due eventually got paid off. My credit went up like this. When I uh, bought a vehicle in 2000, a Mustang, paid that off, credit goes up. So uh, the, more, the more you're taking control of your credit, it just happens naturally because that's what they're looking at. They always look at, uh, this is my income to debt. You know, um, you know, they're they're always looking at this ratio. That's what they're looking at. And when you get to where your debt is now over your income, that's when they don't want to loan to you because now you're what they consider high risk. But when you've developed over time a consistency that, like, they're like, um, wow, he pays everything off. He, you know, he he's consistent with his payments. That's actually the main thing: is don't be late on your payments. Even if all you're doing is paying the minimums, don't be late because that, that uh, reflects negatively. And most of the time, if it's just an honest mistake, most credit card companies will give you a mulligan one time and, and, and remove that. But um, consistently showing, even if you're paying, but if you consistently are showing through your credit bureau you're late all the time, then that's where. But if you're on time with your payments and then through time you pay it off, it, it builds up. It builds up. The more the more your credit history improves as far as I'm paying the payments on time and then they see that's gone. Oh wow. That's gone over time. That's gone. Well every time that's gone my credit score is going up because they go wow his income to debt ratio his income is going up because I'm no longer putting that towards credit cards and his debt's going down at the same time. So it's kind of like that mix between the two. Um, like, I mean, I, I just look at my scores. I don't know the, the metrics they use completely behind it, but I know one of the main ones is payment consistency and um, do, you, do you basically pay it off? I mean, how, how and then when you get there, I mean, I, I'll tell you the last, the finish on this, Conversely, when I was first down here, like I said, it's hard to get a loan. I'm 585, you know. Um, you know, if somebody was running my credit score, they go, ooh, you know, and stuff like that, too. Well, the last time I got uh, a, a new truck, when I came out, the financing guy said, I'd never seen anybody go through financing that quick. And I was like, yeah, they just look at it and they go, okay. <laughs> so it's, it's, nice. it's nice to go from one extreme to the other. And I will say consistency is the key. It's almost like working out, killing yourself in a workout one day and being so sore you can't work out for a week and then you take two months off, you're never gonna get anywhere. It's about chipping it down. Another example of consistency is the Grand Canyon. You have a stream of water that through time and time and time slowly eroding the rock, now you have a canyon that's 4,000 feet deep. You know, and that was consistency and determination. Consistency in anything will get you where you wanna be. You gotta be consistent. Um, whether it's diet, exercise, school, um, somebody that is always 
questing or seeking new information, somebody that's always trying to better themselves. Um, one way, way, so I put it, is um, Earl Nightingale one time, who I, he was big in the 50s and 60s, but that's another person I recommend that's a great thinker, right? And um, he always said, in a free and open society, there will always be people that have more than others. And the main reason is because when you have a free society, there will be people that are willing to work harder, willing to put the hours in, willing to study and gain mastery of their job or their career or just whatever they're doing, whether they're a doctor or a lawyer or whatever, they're working on mastering their skills. And when you're a master of your skills, you will reach a high income. Because I've met people before that say, well, I deserve a good job. And when I query, well, why do you deserve a good job? What's your skills? I have no skills, is what they'll reply. And I go, well, why do you deserve a good job? And most people want the fire without putting the wood in. Like if you start a fire, you put wood into the, you put wood in the fireplace, you light the wood, and you get a fire. If you do it out of order, you get nothing. Many people I see, well, give me the fire first, and then I'll put the wood in. And that's not how the world works. You have to do the hard work. Um, that's the one thing I'll end on is one of the secrets I've learned in life is there is no easy way. And it's as soon as you are, there is no easy way to get in shape. There's no easy way to become financially free. There's no, unless you just had a million dollar trust fund from an uncle that you didn't know about. <laughs> you know, other than that, it's, there is no easy way. And when you accept that, there is no easy way. Everything with life becomes easier because you're not looking for an easy secret. You're finally willing to knuckle down and do the hard work that it takes and then your life will become easier. As one person said, hard choices make an easy life, easy choices make a hard life. Thank you. Thank you, Justin. All right. Thank you for having me. So our next presenter will be Nick Bonanno. Please come on, Nick. Thank you, thank you, Miguel. Uh, appreciate it. Can I erase this? Yeah, go for it. I'm going to keep it very, very concise and uh, give you one specific example that helped, uh, helped tremendously in our business. So our segment is about giving back to the community. That's not who you are. And where you're from. Sorry. Nick Bonanno. I'm with, uh, I have two companies. One is a company that's, uh, that my wife and I founded back in 2007 called Simple Media. Um, I'm a technology entrepreneur. I'm an immigrant. I came from Italy when I was 16 years old. Uh, and during COVID, I actually, my wife and I actually started another company. Uh, so talking about, you know, swimming upstream. Uh, sometimes, you know, you take the chances and the risks in the most, uh, you know, uh, precarious uh, times. So what I want to talk about today is purpose and giving back to the community. And it's something that, you know, whenever you're thinking about starting a business or making money in general, you're always thinking about, uh, in a subconsciously, you're always thinking about it in a, in, a, in a selfish way. You're thinking about how can I make the most amount of money. If you change that mindset a little bit, if you tweak that mindset, you actually are able to create what I call a trifecta, which is not only making money, obviously, but impacting your customer base and ultimately impacting your community. So, if you have a win, win, win type of scenario, okay, and then over here you have your company, 
which is yourself plus your team. And then over here you have your community. Okay, and then down here you have your customers. How do you align the win-win-win with these three elements? So in a traditional way, you probably think about yourself and your team, how, how do we make the most amount of money? And then you think about the value proposition of impacting your customer base. You don't really think about the community. So I'll give you a tangible example. When we started this uh, uh, company during COVID, um, we thought, how can we impact our community while impacting our customers and you know, later on, uh, grow the company and so have actual money to, to grow the business and continue to develop our app and continue to, uh, to hire people. So what we did is we actually looked at our customer base as a way to impact them immediately. And we also looked at uh, their customers and people that they were doing business with. So for example, uh, we were working directly with restaurants and who works with the restaurants and who's the foundation of a restaurant are distribution companies like food distributors, wine distributors. How do we take them and our customers and basically create one big pool and first and foremost impact them at a level that would then uh, drive uh, tangible results to the community? We are not even taking in our company into account at, at the moment. So what we did is we created what's called a prototype. So it's basically a product that is uh, the essential product in order for us to launch into the marketplace and have you know something that our customers would be able to use from day one. So we did that very quickly. We were not thinking about money. We were not thinking about growing our company. We're thinking about building uh, this community of customers in different distribution channels within the vertical. And so what ends up happening is that the actual distribution channels started providing funding for us to offer our services as a company to our customers. So think about that. Customers were not paying for the service. We're giving a service for free during a crisis to the, to the end customers. The, distri the distributors of those customers were actually helping funding the tool. And what ends up happening is now we have a lot of users that as soon as the pandemic is over with, we may be able to monetize and actually impact our company. So I know it's a, it's a bit of a uh, backwards way to look at things, but if you think about building a company, always think about creating this trifecta of a win-win-win situation and um, thinking about how your company is going to ultimately benefit from creating an ecosystem between your customers and uh, different distribution channels within that vertical. So uh, the website for our uh, web app is curbside.ninja. And um, we're very blessed and fortunate to be able to bring this to restaurants uh, in the Dallas area. We actually are coming out uh, on the 2020 uh, Heroes of Big D next month. On the cover, there's going to be uh, Mark Cuban. We're on page 59. Uh, so because of the impact that we've made to our community, we also qualified and won a tech grant through RevTech Accelerators. Uh, so we had, had a little bit of seed money to uh, develop our tool during COVID. 
And so, um, you know, when you think about, you know, a community-focused approach to building a company, uh, you're always going to win. Um, and so I'm Nick Bonanno with uh, Curbside Ninja and Simple Media. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Nick. All right, so next uh, we're going to have our doctor, Tillery, Taylor Tillery. Did you want to present on that side? Yeah, if we can present over here and rotate around real quick, that'd be great. Awesome. So, my name is Taylor Tillery. I'm a uh, veterinarian by training. I am a, a business owner. And as many of you probably think in the veterinary space, I do work with dogs and cats. But I have more of a non-traditional role that I'm currently in, uh, in that I actually work for Merck Animal Health as my full-time job. And I, I co-manage a, a sales organization or a team in the, in the northern Texas area that consists of, of Dallas and Austin. West Texas and, and East Texas and I was asked to talk a little bit about research and as you can imagine coming from the science background that I did I spent four years in undergraduate and then I spent four years of getting my doctorate to becoming a veterinarian I've done a fair amount of, of work with research and so I wanted to allude to a few ideas and thoughts when when you think about research what does that mean and the reason I think that this is more important today than it has ever been before is because for a lot of us, a lot of the thoughts, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the ways we do things are emotional. They're not necessarily rational. And so let me break this down into scientific terms and then I'm gonna, and then I'm gonna change sort of the way we approach this. So this pyramid you're looking at is essentially how we look at research. And what we look at when we're talking about research from a scientific standpoint. So science, some people say, well, what about science? What does science prove? One of the things I have to first tell you about scientific method is science does not prove anything. It's set up to fit a hypothesis in which you disprove something. So the more things we can disprove, the closer we can get to the truth. So one of the things that we have to start with on this, on this specific pyramid is there are six layers. And these six layers are based on the level of evidence we have when you're doing research. The first one would be an expert opinion. If I want to learn about the best architecture, if I want to learn about the best banking, I'm going to go talk to somebody that's an expert in that field. Now understand that they have their own individual level of bias. And so the next step up would be going into case studies. Case studies is looking at, say, we'll talk about that in a second, and then into uncontrolled studies, controlled studies, towards the top, which is randomized control studies, and then to where we essentially look at all the body of evidence that we have, which is how we get to things like gravity, some of these things that we consistently believe in. So the more evidence we have, the higher we go up. So as some of you are probably sitting at home thinking about COVID, wondering, you know, this cheese I'm eating, how does this impact whether I'm gonna die or not? right sounds like a crazy thing but sometimes what we can find is that if you look at this graph and I would encourage you to go check out Tyler Vegan he posts this ridiculous data where he does some amazing data plots where he correlates specific events with other events and essentially shows what some people would call the butterfly effect which is 
just a correlation. It's important that we remember that there's a difference between correlation of data and causation. And so one of the things that we have to remember when we look at this is, okay, does cheese actually cause people to die in their bed? And so some of you might be wondering that exact same question, and I'm not sure I have the answer, right? Does eating cheese make you more likely to die in bed? So let's work through this pyramid again. So I think as we look at this, right, so the first level would be, well, let's talk to a cheese expert. Let's go talk to a dietitian, maybe a coroner. If we ask a coroner, how much are they actually seeing? That is asking our expert. The next level up would be, well, maybe you have a friend. You have a friend that died in bed after eating cheese, right? So you have that own emotional, personal bias at that level. That would be the next level. Final level, we're moving up the pyramid of evidence. We're moving away from bias. So maybe we decide, let's, let's conduct this experiment. It's not gonna be uncontrolled, but we're gonna just give it to our, our friends and our family. We're gonna feed them cheese. And then we're gonna say, well, did they die? Well, they didn't die, so it must not be true. Or maybe one of them did die, so it is true. Finally, we're gonna go up and we're gonna go a little further along here because we know that not many people probably die in bed in their bed sheets anyways. So we look at some historical data and we're gonna look at that and we're gonna say, how many of those people ate cheese and died in bed versus how many of those people just died in bed anyways without eating cheese? Now we're gonna say, okay, we're getting a little closer to more evidence. Finally, what is, what is considered an controlled randomized experiment? A controlled randomized experiment essentially means we have eliminated every other parameter that could cause this, and we've looked at large spectrum. Now, is this gonna be realistic? Can we really take a thousand people feed them cheese and see if they die in bed and get another thousand people and say they never got any cheese. And they're gonna, by the way, they're gonna have to live in bed, right? They can't leave their bed probably or we wouldn't be able to do this because we have other things that they may die of. And then finally at the top, what we're gonna do is we have to have a systemic, a, a system in how we analyze this data. Because if you don't have a system, you're looking at all this data, you're, you're confirming your own biases. You're using emotion and you're making unrational decisions. So I think that's one of the important things. So I've got three points that I want to allude to on what good research looks like, because I know all of you are at home probably working on research, thinking, what does this look like? Understand that the quality of evidence and the opportunity for influencer bias always exists. Whether you're looking for the best restaurant, you're looking at stars, maybe you're looking at your Instagram friends, the number of likes, the reviews, et cetera. Understand that all of these can be biased and all of these bias our opinion. That does not make that the best restaurant. That does not make that the best food. Does not make you the best, most successful Instagram influencer. It just means you have these specific things. So understand that, that when we're looking at research. Second thing, with social media and Google, anybody can research anything. And I think what's important is not only can anybody research anything, anybody can put anything out, which is another opportunity for us to just confirm our own biases, our own thoughts, because we're looking for something based on our own beliefs and what we find on Google, on social media, on some Facebook group. I promise you there is a Facebook group out there that talks about cheese killing people in bed. And we know that that's probably not the case and that sounds crazy, but we do this every day we confirm our own biases. So the final thing that I, I wanna leave you with is that you need to look at peer-reviewed articles. And I understand I come from a, from a scientific approach. When you're looking at it from a business approach, it may look very different, but there are still research 
organizations, there are compilation reviews, and I would argue that making professional relationships with individuals that are experts in the field sometimes is the best research that you can do as far as when you're trying to make really good decisions. A site that I allude to, because now we do live in this information age, I would encourage you that Google actually does have its own scholarly free application for you to search peer-reviewed journals, to search true science. So if you're looking to make really good decisions, look up scholar.google and it's free. One of the I use is PubMed and a lot of the other ones cost a lot of money to review some of these resources. So with that, I wanted to leave you with, those were my three tips about what research looks like, how to do good evidence-based research, and how to make good rational decisions instead of emotional decisions. Any questions? How do you realize if you're biased on something when you're looking at it? How do you, how do you, how do you uh, uh, recognize sometimes when you're reading something that you go, oh wait, that's my own bias, and then recognize that and then go the opposite direction? Yeah, I think you have to be your large, sometimes you have to be your own biggest skeptic. Right. And you have to always constantly be asking for feedback on how, how, how what I'm doing is, is this the best way? Is this the best manner? I think sometimes surrounding yourself with a really talented team of individuals who are diverse in thought, diverse in background, and, and, and sometimes even diverse, I would say, in, in, in ethnic, ethnicity or, or how they grew up is so important towards continuing to make sure that you challenge your own thought process to make sure that you're making the best decisions, especially when you're doing your research. That's awesome. That's really good. That's great. Yeah. Awesome. If anyone has questions, feel free to reach out to me. This is my own personal email. Um, if you'd like to give me a call or send me a text, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Please don't ask me about your dog and cats that are sick. If they are sick, take them to a veterinarian like myself, but do not text those to me. Appreciate you guys, and thank you. Thanks, Miguel. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Dillery. All right, so final but not least, uh, we're going to have Gene to uh, present his part in his topic. So please, Gene. Thanks. I, I am. Um didn't know I was going to contribute today, but um, first I'll start with a story. Um, kind of a joke on myself, right? So I'm sitting at uh, Chase Investment Services, and I'm sitting in my office, and, and uh, I have a New York way about me, right, because I moved from the East Coast to here. And so typically, you know, jeans is a new process, new thing for me. Normally, when you're on the East Coast, you wear a suit. I like to wear a fedora. A lot of my fedoras I inherited from my grandfather. Uh, I'm just that guy. I'm more comfortable in uh, either an Air Force uniform or I'm comfortable in my uh, business uniform. That's kind of my thing, right? So I'm sitting in my Chase office, and this is when Washington Mutual was a bank there. And their uh, dress code was different. That person had um, a, uh, a polo shirt in khaki pants. And I had a couple that came into my office. Uh, they were of the greatest generation. And it was a typical day for me. I had on a French cuff shirt with cuff links and a blue suit and, and a blue fedora. I would like to say that I was really smart when they gave me their $3 million to invest. But they sat down and they said, the lady said to her husband, Merrill, said, you see how this gentleman carries himself? He's the person I want to trust with my money. I had to back up in that process and say, I have to qualify you. 
And they literally put the check, slid it across my desk, and said, we would like, it's the first time I met them, said we would like for you to invest our money. And that goes to the subject today. Uh, my name is Gene Folks. Uh, I am the um, purveyor. I'm actually the owner of uh, Folks International Group. Uh, we can be reached at www.folksig.com. Uh, you can hit us on all social media platforms, uh, and our affiliate is uh, this podcast. So that goes to this subject. Um, the subject goes first impressions. And what I like to do, I like Venn diagrams, and if you don't know what those are, I know you're 12 and 13 years old, but a Venn diagram is just a group of circles that actually connect together, right? So in today's sprouting bosses everyone has had has contributed to those holistic pieces that actually make up the totality of a person dr. Tillery had a chance to talk about research and analysis then we had a discussion about time management Then we next we had a discussion about money management. Then we had a discussion about social media. When you look at these different sectors, all of these vectors, if you will, actually form an overall impression of you, who you are, what makes you who you are, and why people should engage you for who you are. The challenge is, is that sometimes there's a disconnect in how these diagrams connect. I know that you can have a person with a very different social media presence then they have a professional presence. And a lot of times you'll hear that organizations are actually looking not just at your LinkedIn page, which is a professional page, and even at 13 and 14 years old, you should have your parents create for you a LinkedIn page. But then actually they will actually then go and look at it for your TikTok or your Facebook or your Instagram, and it's very different. And so what companies are looking for, because not only do you as an individual have to make a first impression, but so does an organization. And so what you're finding if you listen to the media today, a lot of people are being removed from corporations because of how the impressions that they're making for corporations. Now we'll like to say that, well, that shouldn't be that way. But I would argue this, that when you are a representative, when you are an ambassador, when I was an Air Force recruiter, I was ambassador for the Air Force. I recruited a lot of people for our country. I was the first person you would meet, whether you were enlisted or an officer, whether you were a physician or a nurse, I was a representative for the Air Force. I was what you saw when you walked into the door of what you could be. I was an ambassador for the Air Force. We had certain criteria and we had certain requirements for you to become recruited. To be an Air Force recruiter, you had to be in the top 10% of the entire Air Force. 
not just a small sector, of the entire Air Force, right? I'm talking about millions of people. Then they select you for it. And then your job is then present what people could do in the Air Force, right? In the civilian sector, it's the same thing. You're looking for brand consistency. The minute that you call an organization or they call into your organization and they may talk to your assistant or they may talk to a, a colleague, that presents them with a first impression of your organization. When there is inconsistency between how you are professionally and how you are personally, people then become confused. There is, we do have a corporate responsibility to be consistent in what we present. That's why you see a lot of organizations that will actually take on charitable causes that are consistent with their brand. I will tell you, you see it in pharmaceutical companies that are saying, because they've been criticized, someone else was talking about managing crisis earlier on the, um, uh, uh, the time management piece, managing crisis. A lot of times, crisis is an opportunity to gain more clients to take care of your community, like you mentioned, right? So what pharmaceutical companies have done is they said, okay, we know we've been criticized for high pharmaceutical prices. Now when you start seeing ads run, they're saying, and if you need help with your prescriptions, we can help you with that. What they've done now is they say, okay, this is your impression of us. We're going to help change that perception so that we can then impact our community more positively, tell them that we're adding value to our, our communities, right? So that then our impression becomes more favorable and then more people will buy our product. This is a short lesson in capitalism. That's how it works, right? So when you are thinking through your respective businesses, when you're thinking through who you wanna be when you grow up, when you think, when you're thinking about uh, whether you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, it's about more than going to school. It's about more than time management. It's about more than brand management. You have to be able to say that in every interaction, you are leaving an impression and to be conscientious about what impression you are leaving. As Dr. Tillery mentioned, we live in an information age like no other, right? And there's very uh, similarities between the scientific method, the financial method, right? Uh, the, and, and just different, several different methods. But I would tell you that your social media profile that you're leaving out there for everyone to see doesn't tell the whole story. Google and Twitter and TikTok doesn't tell the whole story. And you want to manage those things to say, what are all these things doing and how do I manage that so they can be consistent with the impression that I will either leave my family, that I would leave my community, and that I will leave the organization that I represent. You are always an ambassador for everyone you come in contact with, personally and professionally. And that starts at a very young age. That starts at your age right now. At 13 and 14 year olds, you have to, you start forming who you are and who you want to be. And you, that means that there's a lot of inventory and a lot of work you want to do. So as you're going through the process, 
as you're looking to be a business person or a physician or, or a technologist or manage money in a technologist or an architect or a business owner uh, or a financial Wall Street person, 